welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich. And I'm Vera Sarzano. And we would like to welcome you back to Season 6, Episode 5. I missed you so much, Nathan. Oh, I missed you too, Vera. And even though it was lovely having Alessandro on as a guest co-host, it wasn't the same. And I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> no, Alessandro was amazing. I mean, he was born to be a podcast host. Madai. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was perfect, the timing and everything and the small talk, you know, I'm not good with small talk. Well, let me tell you a little secret, Veda. You know, I have to edit every one of these episodes and people don't realize how heavily I edit. A lot of stuff gets edited out and I've told you before, you're a very easy person to edit. My editing of Alessandro took about five times as long as the editing of your segment normally takes. And I was laughing while I was doing it, but I was also saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad Veda's coming back next week. <laughs> I mean, I kept saying, I don't think you understand, Alessandra, how much time Veda puts into preparation for her episode. It's like she does a lot of research and she prepares and it sounds very easy. And when it came time for him, I was quizzing him like, okay, what are we talking about? Are you, do you have everything prepared? Like, it was, it was just interesting, and it was a really fun experience, and he had fun, and I had fun, but anyway, I guess we're just happy to have you back. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Now, I just a quick disclaimer. I, uh, I'm having a little bit of allergic reaction today, so I'm trying to talk with a tongue that is swollen about twice the size that it normally is, so if I sound like there's something wrong with my, my voice, I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, but if I sound like there's something off, in the way I'm pronouncing words or speaking, it's because I'm just trying to talk with a two-ton tongue in my mouth. <laughs> poverino, poverino. Exactly. Okay, Vera, give us a quick update. How did the move go and did you survive it? <laughs> so I actually love moving. It's something that energizes me because I love everything new. You know, I love change. So I was so excited to move here. And I knew there was going to be some, you know, hard work. I mean, physical work to do. But mentally, I was so ready. And I stopped seeing, you know, I'm not very nostalgic. The old house, it was amazing. 12 great years, but you're done. Thank you. Next. Okay. Because I want to do next. But I had this big translation project to finish the same day the move was supposed to be and obviously I took my summer off so I was kind of procrastinating with the translation so what happened is that it was hard work physically harder than I thought physically a lot to clean a lot to throw away so and then the very day I moved in so we had the truck coming to our whole house at 2 p.m. Uh, they put everything on the truck. Luca came here first. I grabbed the last few things, closed the house, and came here, helped them with the boxes. This goes here, this goes there. And as soon as the uh, movers went away, I took some boxes, put them in a corner, took out my computer, put it on the boxes, and started translating until 1 a.m. Oh, my goodness. So did you make your deadline on time? Yes, I did. Uh, but but I, I don't even know how. You know how when you, I, I was going on, I think, caffeine and adrenaline and that's it. But 
once that was done, I could kind of rest and I started unpacking. So the first two days were with all the boxes and still, you know, eating sandwiches or frozen pizza. <laughs> but now it's getting better and better. The new house is amazing. I'm so happy we're here. And I still have a few things to, you know, find a place for because that's the difficult part. It's I have a lot of things and I need to find where they are. But finally, last night, I was like, okay, now I'm all caught up with the work I left behind and the house is almost totally unpacked. I had uh, kind of a little bit of uh, Netflix binge watching last night before dinner. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to have a quiet night, work for the podcast today, mm -hmm, find some research and so on, and then go to bed early for me. So that night around midnight instead of two, but it was all set. So it was dark. I went outside in my garden just a moment and I hear some weird noises. Okay, you ready for this? And I'm like, what's this? What's that? It was my cat who was able to climb a wisteria pergola. It's like a canopy that I have on my balcony and was walking there and crying because it couldn't get down. And so we spent two hours in the dark outside trying to catch the cat, but it, the, the roof is too high. We couldn't get there. So finally we tried with, uh, you know, ladders and then taking a big bassinet and, and trying to say, here, jump here. Come on, stupid cat. But he was walking on the roof here and there. And we tried with uh, ladders on the other side of the house where the roof is a little bit lower, but still we couldn't get it. So then, and it was already two hours in, I had amazing idea to take our garden table, put it near the walls and then the ladder on top of it and then Luca climbed it and I was kind of holding the ladder because I was afraid I would lose my cat and my husband too in the process and finally I was holding this ladder looking up Luca grabbed the cat by the collar and literally threw it to the ground and I saw this kind of shooting star this shooting cat <laughs> it was like a so that's how I spent my first free night in the new house. Oh my gosh. All right. Before we get into our really great interview today, and by the way, we are visiting the wonderful region of Calabria. Exactly. So before we meet our, this wonderful couple that we're going to be interviewing today from the region of Calabria, let's have our Italian conversation, Vera. Mm -hmm. So before we get into it, let me give a few keywords for our listeners so that they can better follow and understand. The first keyword is pelle. Pelle. Do you know what that means, Nathan? Skin. Mm -hmm. But also leather. Leather. We have the same word for skin and leather. So, oh, what a soft skin you have or what a nice Leather jacket you have is the same word. Pelle, pelle. Hmm. An easy one, which is maglietta, maglietta. And it's a t-shirt. But it's not just for the word maglietta. I wanted to highlight this as one of the keywords because it's a small maglia. We have maglia, which is the basic form of the word. And it's like a sweater or anything that is knitted, actually. Hmm. And maglietta, it's a smaller maglia. And maglione, which is like a heavy, warm sweater, it's a 
big maglia. So you see, one word, three, we have diminutive and bigger words. So maglietta, maglia, maglione. Hmm. And finally, the last keyword is a word that I love for the way it sounds because it makes so much sense. Zanzara. Zanzara. Cheers. A mosquito. Mm -hmm. And for our idiom this week, we have un sole che spacca le pietre. Un sole che spacca le pietre. A sun that breaks the rocks. So we'll see what that means. Mm -hmm. Okay. È ottobre, il mio mese preferito. Ma qui in Toscana fa ancora caldo e c'è il sole. E com'è il tempo lì da te in Veneto, Nathan? Anche qui c'è il sole, ma le temperature sono un po' più basse e ho deciso di fare qualcosa per prendere la vitamina D prima che il caldo sparisca completamente. Ieri, mentre Alessandro faceva il suo pistolino quotidiano, ho fatto una cosa che ho sempre voluto fare ma non ho mai fatto. Ho preso la mia coperta Pendleton preferita, una cugino, gli occhiali da sole e sono andato nel bellissimo parco di fronte a casa mia. Ho stesso l'ho coperta sul prato e mi sono straiato al sole in pantaloncini e maglietta. Ho ascoltato un audiolibro e ho preso il sole per un'ora. Ah, che bello! Anche a me piace tanto prendere il sole al parco. Davvero? Sì, certo! Strano, perché qui in Conegliano la gente al parco era tutta seduta sulle panchine e guardare i bambini giocare oppure portava a spasso il cane. Ero l'unico sul prato, un prato grandissimo che nessuno usa mai. Tutti fissavano quello straniero pallido, pallido, straiato sulla sua coperta al sole e ho anche sentito dei ragazzi ridere di me quando mi sono passati vicino con le loro giacche di pelle. Non ci credo, dai! Sì, te lo giuro. Io sono una persona timida di natura e fare una cosa del genere con tutti che mi fissavano mi ha messo in imbarazzo. Ma sono molto contento di averlo fatto perché il sole sulla pelle era molto piacevole e soprattutto perché è bello fare cos'è che mi mettono in imbarazzo. Ho scoperto che quando esci dalla tua comfort zone succedono cose meravigliose. Sei d'accordo? Sì, sì, sono assolutamente d'accordo. Io non mi imbarazzo mai. Non mi importa se la gente mi guarda o che cosa pensa di me. È bello sentirsi liberi. Sì, esatto. Sei contento di queste belle giornate di ottobre? Adesso sì, perché non fa più tanto caldo. Ma fino a due o tre giorni fa sembrava, sembrava agosto. C'erano 30 gradi e un sole che spaccava le pietre. Il trasloco è molto faticoso, ma con quel caldo pensavo di svenire. 
Devi sapere, Nathan, che Luca odia il caldo e odia i traslochi. Era contento di traslocare a ottobre perché pensava di farlo in una bella giornata di nebbia, una giornata fresca e invece pff, faceva un caldo pazzesco. <ride> e ci sono anche un sacco di zanzare. Per me non è un problema perché anche se mi pungono non sento niente. Luca invece aveva tutta la pelle ricoperta di punture di zanzara. Oh, povero Luca. Ma in Toscana fa sempre così tanto caldo a ottobre? No, per fortuna. Di solito mh, da metà settembre in poi inizia a fare più fresco. A volte piove, ci sono i temporali. La prima settimana di ottobre spesso piove. Poi possono esserci tre o quattro giorni caldi, ma per poco. Mi ricordo che a volte il secondo fine settimana di ottobre sono andata in giro con i jeans e la giacca di pelle e a volte con la maglietta e basta. Ma anche quando faceva più caldo, la sera le temperature erano più basse. Quest'anno invece non ho ancora messo la giacca, nemmeno la sera. Quest'anno l'estate è iniziata più tardi e infatti a giugno faceva ancora fresco e ha anche piovuto ed è finita tardi, anzi non è ancora finita. Le stagioni si stanno spostando in avanti. È più facile trovare una bella settimana di sole in ottobre che non a maggio. Mm, bellissima. Ok, Vera, I'm going to share what I said in Italian and then we're going to hear your English translation as well. So I told you that October is my favorite month of the year, but that here in Tuscany it's still hot and sunny and then I asked about the weather here there in Veneto, Nathan. That's right. And that's when I said it's sunny, but the weather is getting cooler. So I decided to do something quick to get some extra vitamin D before the weather disappears completely. So yesterday, while Alessandro was taking a nap, his daily nap, I did something I've never done before, which is something I've always wanted to do. I don't even know why I haven't done it, but I've wanted to for a long time. And finally, yesterday, I had I built up enough courage to do it. So I took my favorite Pendleton wool blanket and a pillow, and my sunglasses. I walked across the street to the beautiful park that's just right across the street. And I spread the blanket out on the lawn, and I lay in the sun in my shorts and a t-shirt and listened to a great audiobook while I sucked. <laughs> you soaked, I hope. <laughs> Basta. <laughs> you started it, not me. I can't talk, I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So I spread the blanket on the lawn and I lay in the sun in my shorts and a t-shirt and listened to a great audiobook while I soaked up the sun for an hour. And I commented like, oh, that's so nice, Cabello, I don't remember, something like that. I love some bathing in the park. And I said, well, that's strange because the people here in Conagliano, all they do is either sit on the benches, watch their children play in the playground, or walk their dogs around the park. No one ever steps one foot out on that big, huge, grassy area With no trees, it's just all grass in the sun. And I was the only one out there. And 
I was just like everybody sitting on all the benches around the park are all facing toward the center. And there I am <laughs> on my blanket in the, with my pillow in my shorts and my t-shirt laying on this blanket by myself. <laughs> and everyone was just staring. You know, there, there's this pale, for obvious foreigner. He's, there's no way he's an Italian laying on a blanket in the sun. And I even heard some teenagers, they walked by on, on the path and they were, I could hear them talking about me and laughing as they're all, of course, wearing their black leather jackets. And I was like, come on, you're joking. No, I said, I mean it. I'm serious. I'm naturally a shy person and doing something like that in public with everybody staring at me is a little embarrassing. That's not my normal thing. But I'm so glad I did it because the sun felt so good on my skin. It was good to do something that made me feel uncomfortable. And I found that magical things happen outside of your comfort zone. Do you agree, Vera? And I said, totally. I'm doing a podcast with you that was not in my comfort zone. No, sorry, that's not what I said, but... I accepted to do this, even if I had zero experience. And you started this podcast with zero experience, and it's magical, isn't it? What I actually said in my Italian part is like, totally, I totally agree with you. Even though I rarely, I never, I guess I said never feel embarrassed, because I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if people stare at me, and I don't care about what they think. And feeling free is like the best feeling ever. Yeah, it absolutely is. I completely agree. And by the way, the podcast is even more magical now that you're a part of it. So Aww. yes, I <laughs> I agree. And I think all of our listeners do as well. So then I asked you, are you enjoying your first few days of October, which I know is like me, it's like one of your favorite, well, I think it's your favorite month of the whole year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I told you that, yes, I am enjoying this first day very much, uh, especially now because it's not that hot anymore. And then I went on talking about the weather for a long time because this could be useful information for those of you who are moving to central Italy. I mean, I'm in Tuscany, but Umbria, northern Lazio and Marche are not that different. Okay. So I was like, I am very happy now, but until a few days ago, it was like August. It was 30 degrees and the sun was breaking, was hitting the rocks. And that means we had like the sun was scorching. It was scorching hot. So a sun so strong mm -hmm, that breaks stone, that can break stone. Isn't that a fun idiom? It is. I don't know where I heard. I think you've shared that with me once before. I know I've heard that before. That is a really good idiom. And I have heard Italians say that. Yeah, because it often breaks uh, the, the rocks. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then I told you that moving is tiring, but I thought I was about to faint. And Luca hates moving, and he hates the heat. And he was so glad to move in October because he thought it would be a foggy, cool day, sort of like today, here in Tuscany today. But it was crazy hot. And there were... A million mosquitoes, zanzare. And for me, once again, it's not a problem. I'm the lucky one because even if they bite me, I don't feel it. I don't get scratchy, nothing. Okay. But Luca's skin was covered in mosquito bite. Well, and of course, I agreed with Luca because I hate mosquitoes. And if there's ever one in the vicinity of me, I lose my mind because they always attack me. And yes, I can always 
feel it. And then you said Purluka mm -hmm. because you could feel him, right? And then you asked if October is always this hot here in Tuscany. And I was like, no, luckily it's not this hot. Um, usually starting from mid-September, that's what happens. It gets cooler, okay? And it rains a bit and we have a few storms that we call them the end of summer storms. So after that storm, the temperatures don't get that high anymore. And it often rains in the first week of October. It's the probably one of the rainiest week, just the first one though. And then you have a few more warm days, but not that hot. I mean, just warm, okay? And it doesn't last. It's just a few days, maybe. And I remember uh, wearing on the second weekend of uh, October jeans and a leather jacket or just a T-shirt. So it depends on the year. But even when it was warmer, at night, the temperature dropped. This year, I haven't worn my jacket yet, not even at night. And this summer started later than usual because, in fact, June was pretty cool and rainy still. And it ended later than usual. Or actually, it's not over yet because it's 30 degrees right now outside. So it's still very, very fun. Now, seasons are being sort of pushed forward. That's what's happening in the past decades. Uh, it's easier to have a sunny and warm week in October than it is in May. That's what I said. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, first of all, whenever you hear Veda say 30 degrees, I want you to know that if you're a Fahrenheit person like me, you have to know that means that she's talking about weather that's in the 80s, mid to upper 80s. So kind of warm. Vera, we have some really interesting guests today. We are going to be meeting Chris and Pete. Now, they are originally from the United States, from California, and they have started this incredible business where they help Americans and foreigners move to Italy and buy property and create their new life here in Italy. So we're going to hear some wonderful things from them they, of course, have chosen as their prime destination, the place that they feel like is one of the best and most underrated regions in Italy, and that is the southern Italian region of Calabria. Vera, have you ever visited the region of Calabria? I have. I have, and it's a region full of surprises. I actually spent a whole three months there, Right after high school, I went and worked in a hotel, a resort. I was in charge of kids during the day. And then we did all kinds of shows at night, acting, dancing, you know, this sort of things. And I was 19. So you can do that when you're 18, 19. I would hate it right now, but <laughs> it was fun. So I spent three months there and it was really, really beautiful. Hmm. Okay, so you have had some experience in the region of Calabria. I've only been there once for a very short visit. It's an area with beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery, and really great priced real estate. Well, it'll be really interesting to hear with these two Americans who have made Calabria their home here in Italy. It'll be really interesting to hear what their thoughts are and their experiences are in this beautiful southern Italian region, won't it? It will, definitely will, because Calabria is, you're right, so underrated, and yet there's so much history, and you talked about the sea, and 
amazing beaches that you can find there. But what about mountains and the national parks? You can even ski there. There are ski resorts. And it's true as other regions in the south, it's not, you know, all beautiful and nice. There are also some problems. But um, Calabria is getting better and better in the past few years. And I really, really hope that it will become one of the, you know, most known regions in Italy because it is truly beautiful. I'm really interested to hear what you have to share with us, some of the specific details that you have prepared to share with us after the interview. So let's jump into our interview with Chris and Pete from Super Savvy Travelers. Hello, Chris and Peter. So nice to have you here on the podcast. Oh, we're so happy to be here with you. We, we're we really excited about this. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. Really appreciate your time. Peter, this is the first time that I'm meeting you, but I have sort of met your wife through her wonderful YouTube videos. And I've, I've been watching your YouTube videos for a long time, long before I even moved to Italy. And I'm just blown away by the things that you are doing in Italy and especially Calabria, but you're also, you also have some, your, your hand in, in a couple other areas. So we'll talk about that. I want to get into it. But before we get into everything about Italy, Chris, we'll start with you. Tell me about your life before Peter came into it. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I, I guess you could say I'm sort of a, a Renaissance type person because I've had many careers in my life. You know, I did some uh, workers comp, which was um, not my favorite, and then got into teaching music. I was a professional musician for quite some time. Um, and then I met Pete. We got married. We did the kid thing and, uh, you know, raised our kids and whatnot. And, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons that we bought our house in Italy was that we'd seen uh, many once you get to a certain point in life and your kids are grown and they're starting to go off. Many couples don't have a goal in common anymore. So they drift off on their own paths. And I knew that we had to have a goal in common to keep us, you know, propel us through the time stream until we're done here. And uh, so I started looking, Pete, of course, was working really hard, gone a lot. So I uh, started researching uh, Italy, buying a house in Italy. Yeah, I wasn't there to stop her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he wasn't. And that was a good thing. <laughs> that was a good Fancy. thing because I dragged him over and made him buy us a house. And really, since we did that, our lives have opened up so many opportunities, so many new uh, experiences that that people only dream of. Okay, so you've been married for quite some time. You've sort of had Italy on your radar more for even longer than, than Peter did, sounds like. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Now, Peter, tell me about your career and your life before Italy became a thing. I've had a, a, a actually long career in Silicon Valley in engineering management. Um, but, uh, of course, my background is very technical, scientific, logical. Of course, when I met Chris, and certainly what attracted uh, me to her is, uh, and her to me, is, is her creativity, her artistic approach to things. And it was a whole part of, of that that I, that I really liked. And, uh, of course, then she came up with this creative idea <laughs> to buy a place. <laughs> overseas and uh so again she finally sold me on that idea and uh it's really changed our lives uh for the better uh, ever since then 
Uh -huh. Okay, so when was the first time the two of you were in Italy together? Probably was when we went over. I, I told Pete, I said, by, by the time we scheduled our tr property viewing trip, I had already decided. I had already decided when, where, everything. And so I said, come on, we're going to go buy a house. You know, he just gets off a play like, what? And, uh, <laughs> and so he goes, we're going to go look. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to go buy. So I took him over to Calabria and we went, really saw all the hill towns, fell in love with the area and the people and the food, which is fabulous in Calabria. And uh, by the end of the trip, he, he pretty much was on board and, and we bought one of the houses that we yeah. looked at at that point. Now, what year was that? When was this? Oh, 2010. Yeah, I it was 2010. We originally went over, then we bought our house in 2011. Yeah. So you were doing this before, long before it was kind of trendy, long before one euro homes were a thing. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. And it's right. so funny because when we were there, you know, my, one thing I always tell, <laughs> tell Pete, oh, if we do this, we're going to be sitting in the catbird seat, you know, and uh <laughs> What we do now is like, where are we, Pete? He goes, we're in the gallery. <laughs> and we knew that Calabria had this massive potential. And we go, you know, like, instead of painting pictures or, or creating music or whatever, let's do this art project of booming Calabria. Let's boom Calabria. And we're just kind of thinking of it as a fun sort of idea. And we that's part of the reason we really started focusing on Santa Domenica. We go, well, we'll boom Santa Domenica or, you know, whatever, whatever that looked like to us back then. And who knew that we were going to stumble on this formula, that we found the exact right mix of our marketing efforts, our mayor and his beautiful administration, Antonello Lucchese, who is a just a master Italian architect studied in Florence, I mean, the whole nine yards. And to find all of this in this little hill town ready to go was amazing. And we're seeing in other hill towns like Cayeta, the mayor called me before we left. Hey, when are you going to come up? And I can see we can create the same thing there because the mayor is very on board and you can create it where you have somebody just parachute in. They've got the architects, they've got the builders, they've got the mayor on board into a beautiful hill town create your own house exactly how you want it in a fairy tale location. So we've been very lucky with all of that. Yeah. How did you know to even consider Calabria? Because it's on very few people's radar, or I, I should say it's more, it's on more of their radar now, thanks to you, the two of you. But at the time, you know, in 2010 and 11, everybody was only thinking about Tuscany. I mean, everybody was like, Tuscany, Tuscany, that's all I want to do is be in near Luca. You know, you hear the name Luca all the time. You hear Siena. And everybody wanted to be in Tuscany or, you know, in other, maybe Rome or the Amalfi Coast or some, anywhere but Calabria. Yeah. So why, how, tell me about how Calabria came along for you. Okay, well, I, you know, one of the things when I first started with this idea that we needed the goal in common, we, we both decided we loved a place along the coast where we could have a sea view and be in a sea view community. Uh, I started looking in uh, Greece and that, you know, the, the residency requirements were very confusing. I thought, okay, that's not going to work. I looked in the south of France, very expensive. Uh, basically, that whole area looked in Puglia, like the Truly, although I'm glad we didn't buy one to live in. 
um, also more expensive. And then we were watching House Hunters International, which we did all the time. And there was a gal from Salinas who was a school teacher and she bought a house in Santa Dominica, Chilao. And we saw the village, you know, the piazza is, is tiled in flowers. It's just stunning. And the scenery and just, it, to me, it just like, we found it. This is our new home. And that's really what made us decide on Calabria and especially on Santa Dominica yeah. Talao. Now, is that school teacher your friend today? Yes, Michelle. Yeah. She's still there. <laughs> and one of the houses that she did not buy on House Hunters International was our first house in uh, Santa Dominica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they actually- Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's the one that, that if you go look on our channel under Super Savvy Travelers and you look under 400 year old house renovation, we bought it as it was when she saw it, but then we bought the ruin next door and renovated the whole thing. And it's absolutely gorgeous. So um, yeah, that's how that whole thing came about. Oh, that's very interesting. That time we flew into La Mezia Terme and took the train north to Calabria. Since then, we found better ways to get there. And the train system has really changed. So you can yeah. get the Fresha Rosa and some of the other Fresha trains, the high-speed trains, down directly to the Scalea station uh, most of the year, I think. Yeah, most of the, most year, of the year now from, uh, from Rome and the bigger cities. Yeah, so it makes the trips so much shorter than it was. It used to be quite an ordeal to get down there. <laughs> Ah, okay. So you fly, you usually fly into Rome and take the train down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a oh. beautiful train ride every time. Oh, yeah. I love the trains. The trains are the, one of the best things about Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we arrived in Santa Domenica, and I think as soon as we saw the house, you know, houses, the house chooses the, the owner or the buyer. You know, people are always worried about them choosing the right house. That's that's not how it works. And the more I see, the more I'm convinced that's the case. We walked in and we felt like this house said, you know, you're home. You're welcome here. You know, go ahead and live your life. I mean, it's fanciful, but gosh darn it if it isn't true. Yeah. And I think people realize that too. Not only the house, but also the town. You know, you walk in and you feel like you're home or you could make a home there and you're welcome. And it's 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 a beautiful feeling, warm and yeah. benevolent and, you know, the whole thing. So that was the feeling we got from this house. We liked other houses we saw, but this house was something special. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was a no-brainer for me. You know, I'm uh, definitely analytical. I like to analyze, you know, different, uh, you know, alternatives. You know, so we had looked at all these different houses and the different towns, too. But, uh, you know, as soon as we got to Santa Monica, Tlau, particularly as soon as we saw this house, go, this is it. You know, this is this is simple. This is where we want to be. I think that you're bringing up a really good point with that, Peter. You mentioned, Chris, that the house chooses you. But don't you think that you have to really vibe with the town? Because you can fall in love with a piece of property and maybe it's in an area that won't fit you, who you are. And that's why I think the town, wouldn't you say the town is equally as important as the house, right? Oh, absolutely. I, even more important, really, yeah. because you're right. And that's one of the things that we try to get people to understand. If you're buying remotely off what you see of Idealista or whatever, you don't get an idea of the town. And I think that the reason that Santa Domenica became so popular, because after the pandemic, we got hit with a wave of people coming over and they 
they show the the you know the video this is the video this is the property i want and we take them and nine times out of ten they would purchase that property it was crazy and i think the reason was because i did all these goofy videos you know what am i going to put on the channel today and uh i would walk through the town and go here's rocco at the macelleria hi rocco anyways you know and here's antonio yeah. at the bar <clears throat> so people could picture their lives there it's like they knew the town and it's so funny because um you know people come over and they go i thought you were just being over the top about your town <laughs> like it couldn't be that good and they go no it's better and they've already placed themselves there which i think you know with the casa de fuse project we're doing that same formula we're going to go into a we're going to eat in the restaurants we're going to go to the bar here's where you'll have your coffee in the morning this is what you see when you wake up and I think that that is an important part of giving people the vibe of the town so they can pick the towns and then go live there for a little while, you know, stay there a week and see how you like it. Oh, yeah. I think probably one of the most valuable things that you offer to people who have discovered you on YouTube or your social media, Facebook, whatever, wherever it is, is this sense of community that they can sort of latch on to. And because you're living in the United States or Canada or Australia, wherever you happen to be living, and, and you want to move to Italy or retire there, or buy a vacation house, whatever your purpose is, you're sort of starting at zero. You're taking people from zero and giving them quantum leap into sort of a connection to a place that they wouldn't have without you. And I think that is very powerful. Well, thank you. Thank you. We we love that. You know, we've learned a lot in our couple of years of, uh, of bringing people over and whatnot. But it, it is something we do want to share with people. Uh, we were uh, when we bought Casa Cristina several years ago before the pandemic hit and everything came to a halt. Um, Casa Cristina is our little boutique hotel in Santa Domenica, which is opening in April and uh, April 2024. But when we did that, there was a lot of interest. The newspaper people came down and they had this big event and, and the chief counselor of Calabria came down, all the mayors were there. And, uh, and then they handed me the microphone and started interviewing me in Italian. I'm like, okay. But uh, what they wanted to know, really legitimately wanted to know is why? Why would you come from California and wanna start a business here? And I said, you guys have no idea how hungry we are in California for a community, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, just our families or whatever. We've lost that a lot yeah. with our working hustle, California lifestyle. We've lost, you know, uh, having coffee with your neighbor or walking through the piazza and having it take you an hour to get where you're going because you have to talk to everybody as you go. You know, the shop owners knowing you and knowing your name and knowing your favorite cut of meat or whatever. We've lost that. And Americans, I think, are so lonely and they don't know what's missing. And I think it's that. And that is why they are coming in droves over to Italy. That's why they have under the Tuscan sun on their, you know, uh, whatever, Roku or whatever. Yeah. They watch it over and over. That's what they want. That's the thing that's missing. And I think that's the thing that we can help provide. But it's already there in Italy, especially in Southern Italian, uh, you know, regions. Puglia is that way, but really Calabria, warm, welcoming, helpful. They've realized that the, the secret to happiness in life 
is helping someone else without thought of reward. And it's it's not a secret there. They all try to do that because they know how happy it makes them and it makes you. It's just a beautiful, beautiful culture. And I think Americans really want to get back to yeah. that. Oh man, that I can tell you that resonates with me so much. And not just because I also happen to be a native Californian, but because I think, and I don't even know if it's just the United States. I think it, it might be our world in general is becoming more that way. You know, we're all on social media, but we're less social than we've ever been. Yeah. I think that was so beautifully put. Okay, so tell me about the process of buying the first house and then the renovation project and then what came next okay well when we bought the house you know we were just brand new so we probably made all the mistakes that we're telling people now not to make uh it was a long time before we actually renovated we we wanted to live in it first and see the flow of life through the house and uh we went back and forth on various things and the renovation happened really <laughs> finished right before we sold it um <laughs> but it was uh, an interesting process. Much of it was done remotely because of COVID. And uh, so Antonello, I love the man. He knows how we think, right? He doesn't go, here's 50 doors, choose one. He goes, here's two doors, white and brown. Do you want white or brown? And I'm like, I love this guy. Yeah. White, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost like he's able to read our minds, you know, in terms of what, what we want. And uh, that made made the whole process so much easier. Yeah. And uh, and we we put a lot of trust uh, in Antonello and his his builders uh, that he used. And they what ended up happening was that it just surpassed what even you know we could have possibly imagined. I mean, we could not have come up with by ourselves with a design that ended up being implemented in, in our house. I mean, that was our uh, Antonello's builder Salvatore their creativity their artistic ability that made that happen yeah so they are contractors that you met in that area that i'm sure you were probably referred to by someone both of them probably and as well i'm assuming a number of other artisans have become part of your network of people that you can now refer people to yeah yeah exactly yeah it's it's um it's a beautiful uh conglomeration of talents and and things like that um antonello I, I don't even know how i met him i think we met him when, when we did our renovations he's the architect in santa dominica Talal, and we just became super fast friends we were actually writing a cookbook together before uh the property thing hit and someday we will finish it uh we have a lot of projects together he's he's another super creative guy and he'll he'll send me an email that says unidea and it's always some super creative awesome idea that will probably take years for us to finish because <laughs> we're backlogged on ideas but um an amazing guy i i'm for a big plug for antonello to walk around with him like I, the first uh, videos that you saw in santa Domenica were me and antonello walking through and touring and talking about hey can we take this one no you can't because it's a load-bearing one you know and what about this no you can only do this for a roof terrace but i would put it here for this reason the things I have learned in the last few years of working directly with Antonello has been the most exciting, the most creative, the most wonderful time of my life. It's an opportunity that I don't think many people get to enjoy. And I've had him just sort of at our disposal for the last few years and, and moving forward. Um, 
what a guy, what a, what a talent, what a Renaissance man. I mean, he's brilliant. He's creative. I can't say enough wonderful things about Antonello. I'm just over the moon with our association. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So where was your level of Italian being able to speak Italian? Uh, yeah, I mean, we were both just starting out. I'd say Chris had uh, uh, a leg up on, on on me because of her language background. She'd spent some time in France. Um, you know, I was just just learning um, and still am. I've got a long ways to go. But uh, of course, being there and interacting with the folks there who are always willing to help and 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 offer offering advice uh, has been been very very helpful. But I, Chris is is definitely much more advanced than than I am in terms of Italian language. Being a musician, I think the musician mind and the language mind are two of the same types of things. So being musical, it's been very easy for me to pick up languages. And uh, in fact, when I lived in Belgium, I was lucky to be in a French for second uh, as a second language class. And that instructor was brilliant. And he basically taught me how to learn a language, not just French, but how to learn another language. And in a nutshell, it's just verbs and conjugations. We would spend hours conjugating verbs, learning new verbs. We'd do a few vocabulary things and some articles here and there, but it was verb, 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 conjugations, past, present, future. And uh, I got out of it after living there for uh, almost a year. I had to go to a French school too, which was uh, interesting. But after that, I went, oh, this is okay. I can, I can do this. So I just took that method and I applied it to Italian and it works. And it seems to work for most languages. Mm. Yeah, I love how you simplify that down. In fact, I was on your website and I was looking at that, at the page on your website where you, where you kind of break it down, the simple way of learning Italian or any language, basically, like you're saying. And I think that is really brilliant because when you go to Italian language school, which I did here in Italy, by the way, uh-huh. it's all about rules and it's all about everything all at once. Instead of focusing on the things that you really are going to need the most to get you going and get you confident to where you want to start speaking, I think that you're absolutely 100% right. I think that's a great, great approach to languages. I think it works because, you know, the the verbs and conjugations are really the big part. If you mess up on masculine, feminine, you know, the gender or whatever of the word, nobody cares. Uh, If you get the article wrong, nobody cares. And frankly, the articles, I will probably be in my coffin, you know, studying ye and li and lei and all those other articles, (laughs) which never made any sense to me. But you can still communicate. If you have the verbs and some vocabulary, hey, you're off and rolling. Speaking of languages and Italian, I feel personally as an American living in Italy that it is very presumptuous to come to Italy and assume everybody is going to just automatically speak your language and you don't have to adapt to theirs. I think that's very presumptuous and disrespectful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Like you said, it is disrespectful to come in and expect everybody to speak your language or, or, you know, uh, adopt your culture. And we're pretty fortunate because most of the people that come over understand that. Now, a little, a little, um, not horror story. Well, kind of a horror story is uh, we had a friend who he and his wife came over. The wife was fluent. She handled everything, and then she died, and the man was lost. So um, everybody must learn mm-hmm. Italian. 
at the very minimum. There's other parts of the Italian lifestyle that you can you can hand off to other people. But communication, yeah, communication is such an intimate part of life. Why would you cut that off with the people that you're living with? You have to communicate with them or life is not rich. Life is not life. It's just you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially in some of the smaller villages in Calabria where English isn't widely spoken. You've got an old population there, even though students, young people there, you know, learn English in school. There's not many English speaking people in, in these uh, small villages. So, you know, in a bigger city like Rome and stuff, you can get by and you can get around just speaking English. But uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for you um, in, in these smaller villages. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a message that needs to be repeated and people need to really get the way Italy is set up for tourists and how friendly it is for non-Italian speaking for the tourist market, because it's not you don't have to speak Italian to be a tourist in Italy, do you? No, no. not at all. But when you come here and you're going to live here and be part of this, whether it's all whether it's year round permanently or just even half the year, you're in a you're putting yourself into real Italy into a community and you're either going to embrace it and adapt because it's on us to adapt as a foreigner or you're going to be that person that's just beating their head against a brick wall and never really feeling like you're part of the community so true yeah. so true and you know just an observation that i've seen with with some of the people that we've come across you know uh, they have these fixed ideas, which are really incorrect, because in Belgium, what is there, three uh, languages in Belgium, and they all speak all three, and they usually speak a lot more than just three or four languages. So they have, some people have an idea, well, I'm too old to learn, which we all know is just not true, not true. Uh, another thing they think of is uh, some people are good at it and I'm not, and that's also not true. Okay, I mean, yes, some people are more adept at it, but that doesn't mean you can't learn. So get rid of these fixed ideas about learning languages. In America, everybody speaks English, you know, but when you look at Europe, you know, Italy is the size of California, and then you go into Germany and they speak German, and it, it's people are more used to the idea of learning other languages yeah. and i think that's what americans have to get used to is the idea mm. that you learn other languages now another thing is if you tried to learn italian or spanish or french and couldn't it's not because you're an idiot it's because you weren't taught properly and you didn't have the correct method you just have to keep going to find what works for you that is brilliant advice you have impacted your community and revived this beautiful hilltop city of Santa Dominica. Tell us, okay. what does this mean? How did this happen? Well, you know, uh, first of all, we I don't want to take all the credit with just super savvy because we could not have done it without our amazing mayor, Alfredo right. Lucchese, our amazing architect, Antonello, who really helped us put the network together. He was like, you have to go meet this person. And he would even set up appointments for me to go meet these guys um so he was really instrumental in all of this but you know we just arrived with a desire to share this beautiful place with other people because life there was fabulous you get up in the morning the church bells wake you up at seven and you get up and you have your coffee on the balcony and you look out over this city and then you go up and maybe you buy your you know get a cornetto or whatever at the bar 
and see everybody you know in the piazza and that kind of thing. I mean, it's just an idyllic life in an idyllic community. You know, you rejoice when the babies are born. You're sad when we lose somebody. It's it's just a beautiful life. And we thought we really have to share this with people and make them know it's available. So that's kind of what what it started it. And then um, as COVID was hit, we were we were selling cruises, which we didn't like really. And uh, we go, we need to pivot. So I was walking through uh, the living room one day and I said, you know, people might want to know about how to buy and renovate properties in Italy. That might be some information that they might want. And that's when the one euro Italian housing was like all over CNN and everything else. And so Pete and I did a little video called the truth about one euro Italian houses. And we did that one and we did uh, why Calabria is your best retirement destination. And those two just went move and suddenly everybody was contacting us. Now, if you look on YouTube, you know, we don't have a billion followers. The followers we have and the people who interact with the channel are highly engaged. They come over, they visit, they buy properties. Like I said, we had that massive web of people that came over and wanted to live there. Um, and so uh, from there, we started with, you know, the daily videos. Like when I was there, I do a little daily video. Uh, we started touring with the architect, which was huge. I mean, where, where can you see that? Um, and that really sort of took on a life of its own. And that's how we got to where we are today and how our village got there. Um, the mayor had a big uh, welcoming event for all of the Americans, and he's still writing on his Facebook page, welcome Americans, we want more of you here. You know? <laughs> That's right. So it's a, it's a beautiful mix of people. And like I said, we sort of tripped over it, stumbled on it, but it's been working and we can do it anyway. We decided to call it Case Diffuse based on the Alberti Diffuse uh, idea, the concept. And Alberti Diffuse, for those that don't know, is where somebody, some hotelier, goes in and buys up properties in a town that needs a little love. And then they have a hotel where it's diffuse throughout the village. Like you, you know, one person stays over here, another person stays over here. And we thought, you know, uh, the trick to really booming these hill towns is putting attention on them, showing people how life is there, and then placing people in and getting things rolling. And it's almost like once it gets rolling, it just goes. So we thought, let's take 20 people, 20 couples or whatever, put them in Papacito, you know, go through the renovations with them, go through life in Papacito with them. Some in Ayeta, some in Mayera. And these are the hill towns that really need people. They're down to hundreds of uh, residents and not thousands, which is very scary. But they're gorgeous. The infrastructure is fabulous. They're uh, really um, dreamlike. And I think we can boom them very easily. So the yeah. next three are going to be Papacito, uh, Mayera, and um, Ayeta. So we're just, it's going to be fun to see yeah. how quick we can do this, how completely we can do this, what we run into when we try. Um, it's just a really fun project. Yeah. And and the key is setting up teams within yeah. each one of these communities, as we did with Santa Monica Talao, uh, you know, starting with the, the mayor, the, the village leadership, and then establishing, you know, a team of architects and builders and then doing this in each one of these different villages. So when people are there to tour properties, you know, they'll be touring, you know, with uh, uh, an architect or a, a geometry or a technical person that can tell them about the houses and point out uh, 
things that need to be done with them and also come up with ideas, collaborate, you know, with a potential buyer and what they can do with these houses. Um, so that when the buyer actually buys a property, they're all set to go. They're established with a architectural and design team already um, that can get them started on the renovations. I feel like renovations anywhere in the world, even if you're renovating your own home that you've lived in for 20 years in your native country, is a stressful thing. Okay. <laughs> renovations are by their very nature not easy. Now you throw in thousands of miles from where you are from, a different language, a different culture, and basically no connections of any kind. I think the reason why what you're both doing is so valuable is because you're offering one of the most important things of all, and that is trust. That is everything, isn't it? It, it really it is. is. And, you know, uh, I love Antonella because he's really the man behind the networks. Uh, whenever we go into a new area, he'll he'll tell you, you need to contact this person. Um, and being able to parachute in where we've already vetted everybody, not only that, uh, but having a lot of clients, we have so many people coming over that we have a little bit of a little bit of influence over these guys. Like one of the things we tell them, you will not put up your prices for Americans. You will not do that or we will not use you. And it's enough of a uh, motivation to have them just give a fair price, give a fair price what you would give anybody. You know, um, I, I just won't. I'm not bringing people over so somebody else can fleece them. So it's very, very clear not to say that they all do that because they don't. Um, whenever there's money and attention coming into an area, there are grifters, cheaters, liars and thieves that will also come in. Um, you know, we've I've, I've had to fire. Well, Antonella and I kicked this one guy out of his office because <laughs> he was trying to scam one of our guys. And we just, no, you don't do that to our guys. You didn't bring them here so that you could lie in their, your pockets with their cash no you give them a fair price and a fair product and all of our um networks have just been amazing yeah. and sometimes they even slide in some really good discounts if you you know if you're a big client and that kind of thing so we're so proud of our network and um really where else can you just parachute in and and have our seal of approval and of course the minute we hear something bad we're going to go iron it out with the guy and if it's bad they're not in the network yeah. anymore. So uh, it's a really nice, um, how can I say, like a fusion of the locals and our guys um, coming in and helping each other. But um, again, I don't want to give the idea that uh, there's a whole lot of uh, liars, grifters, and thieves. They're not. But all it takes is one on your transaction to sour your whole feeling and, and dream of Italy. It's it's a dream. Dreams uh, by nature are somewhat fragile, fragile yeah. you know, and they can be um, pooped on very easily. Excuse the the, uh, the expression, and it can turn sour. And you don't want that. You want it all to be a good, you know, a good expectation that they come in expecting something, and this is what they get. Yeah. So that's what we strive for. You know, obviously we can't take responsibility for everything that could happen, but I think we have a good handle on most things. I'm going to create two fictional potential people who are interested in coming to get your help. Let's call the first one Nancy, okay? Let's say she has been working her whole life in New York City. She saved enough money, and she 
has been dreaming about Italy for her whole life, but she doesn't have any connections there. She finds super savvy travelers. She finds Chris and Pete, and she's like, oh, thank God, this is exactly who I need. I'm going to continue working for the next year. She's so anxious because she wants the project to begin, but she's not able to be there. Now, how are you able to help Nancy in that particular situation? Well, first we would advise Nancy, look, don't buy anything remotely. You just just don't. Not unless you've already lived in the area, you're you know, familiar. Uh, we did buy something remotely and it worked out, but we already knew the area. We knew- We had visited before. Yeah, Yvonne DeLuca, we knew exactly where the house was. Um, we had it looked at. Uh, we did that. Would I buy remotely and say um, uh, Pistoia or uh, Cortona? Or one of those? No, never, never. Um, so I would say come over and make sure first that your dream, because we all dream about, you know, Under the Tuscan Sun, which is, I love that movie. Um, but there's a lot of uh, poetic um, license, let's say, in, in that particular movie. And if you come over expecting one thing, it is going to be different. No matter what it is you're expecting, it is going to be different. And you need to know that you're okay with that difference. Yeah. And it needs to work for you. You know, we found that, uh, you know, the house and the community spoke to us. Other communities, other places are going to speak to different buyers in different ways. Right. So uh, people ask us all the time, you know, I've never been to Italy before. What do you recommend? Well, we don't know what you're going to be comfortable with, right? We know what works for us, but it may not work for you. You have to come over and experience it yourself. And two, there's the risk tolerance. You know, Pete and I are, we're pretty good with risk, obviously. Um, some people aren't. And if you come over and you're worried all the time and you're stressed all the time about whatever, speaking the language or, um, you know, getting your renovations done, it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, your your quality of life is what you're buying here. And if you can roll over, there's always going to be stressful situations. There's always going to be disappointments, I'm sorry to say. And uh, sometimes pretty good sized ones. <laughs> However, you have to be able to roll over them and be okay with that. If, if you're not going to be happy because you're stressed, then just don't do it. Yeah, so you need some risk tolerance. You need some tolerance for ambiguity, mm -hmm. potentially some project delays, things like that. Okay, that's very good advice for Americans, especially <laughs> getting past the idea that everything is going to be like under the Tuscan sun is one of the biggest hurdles to get over. And I think the next one is also, like you said just now, Pete, is the patience. You have to be patient and understand that things are, are different in Italy. They're not the same. Okay, so Nancy comes, she takes your advice and she comes to visit and she falls in love with one of these three hilltop villages in Italy that you have handpicked for her already. And she hasn't made up her mind on which house, but she's chosen the city, okay? She's gone back to her career and her life in New York City. She's continuing to study Italian every day and she's she's got her eyes on the prize. And you've had this conversation, you're, you're aware of what kind of property she's looking for. What if a property becomes available that you think would be good for her? Do you have any way to help her see or see that property or to maybe help her walk her through that property virtually? Oh, absolutely. And in yeah. fact, we, we do, you know, 
I don't know if you've seen Pete's drone videos. They are spectacularly pretty. Um, and we have that whole thing to where, you know, you've been here, you've already decided. And we know what you're looking for in terms of how much renovation you want, how much of that, you know, what's your budget, that whole thing. And we uh, we rely heavily on Antonello. Like I would, it, let's say something comes up and I go, oh, this would be perfect. And I've done that with uh, some of our clients. This house is for you, you know? And for them, I did a, a video and I didn't even put it on the channel because I said, no, this is this is your house. And it turned out to be the one they loved. But, you know, we would go in, we would tour the house, probably with Antonello, just have a real good look at what is required. You know, you're going to go into a house that's been standing for 300 years. Um, you don't know if it's going to stand until 301 or if it's going to stand for another 300 years. You don't know what that lesion is. Is that a crack that you need to be aware of or is it just a superficial crack because of constant shifting? Antonello can go through and go, okay, look, here's, here's everything that needs to be done. And he will look at foundations, which many times are just the stones underneath your house. <laughs> There's no real foundation. Um, you can look at roofs. You can look at all these things. And we work with him with the drone to look at roofs so that he can get a really good look without going up there. Uh, looks at plumbing, looks at electrical, uh, all of these things. And he can give you a really good idea of what it might cost you or the things that need to be done. Now, he's also branching out to do design work and uh, you know, setting up the project in other areas. So I would actually use him if we do it without making somebody else mad in another hill town, which is something you have to look out for. Um, but then have somebody else be the director of the works, somebody local be the director of the works so that he's not having to go up there all the time. Uh, I think that's a good way to go about it. Or, you know, he knows everybody. Who does he recommend in that area that exactly. can cover yeah. that? So uh, that's what we would do. We would go up, we would drone, we would, uh, you know, of course, a, an inspection with Antonello will cost about what was he turning? 300? About 300 euros. Yeah, for the report and the, and the tour. Yeah. Um, you know, show where it is in the village and that kind of thing. And really make it clear that, look, it is a bit of a risk because you haven't been there. We don't know what your neighbors are like or anything like that, but we think it's a good value and uh, we think it might be right for you. Please take a look. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Sounds like Nancy's going to have her problem solved and she's going to be in good hands. Okay. So now let's take another potential or someone that you'll be working with. Let's call him Thomas. He's coming from Canada and he wants to, he's got grandkids and, uh, he wants to always be able to come back and spend half the year with his family, you know, at different times of the year. But he is, he's wanting to buy a place as an investment property to be where, to be there, but maybe even rent it out on Airbnb while he's not there. Would it be the same type of advice that you just gave to Nancy? Tell me how you would advise someone in that situation. Well, first of all, he's coming from Canada. And you have to know that Canadians cannot buy certain types of property because of the reciprocity rule. Um, there's all kinds of caveats to that. And, and our attorney, Nick Mehta, is very good about going over all the different things. You know, if it's a hill town of less than this number, you might be able to do it. So that's a tricky thing right there. For that to be the first thing I would advise him of. Um, secondly, it really depends on what how he sees his life. Like, do you see yourself in a hill town? Uh, if you want rental potential, I would probably suggest looking along the coast because 
you know, mm -hmm. uh, Calabrian Coast in July and August, it books itself. And the prices are low enough so that your return on investment is much better than you would get somewhere else. Now, if you're willing to market your new village, like Papa Cedro, we are going to be marketing. So there will be some rental potential, I'm sure. I can't guarantee it, um, but I'm sure there will be. But uh, really along the coast where there's already a rental market would be your best bet if you're depending on rental income. Yeah, we're really close, close to services, restaurants, and train station, maybe within walking distance, those kind of things. And the beaches. Everybody comes for the beaches in July and August. They just glue themselves yeah. to the Lido's and, <laughs> and stay there. Absolutely. Okay, that's that's great advice. Okay, so... Thomas is, he needs to be aware of, if he wants to have a place to rent out part of the year, be in a high demand area. And mm -hmm. you brought up a very good point for Canadians. I know, what is it, until 2025, at least, they aren't able to purchase anything? I, until 2025, that's what it looks like right now, unless something changes. Yeah. That, that's an unfortunate thing. I, I was talking to some Canadians just yesterday, and they were talking about that same exact problem. So that's something that I think needs to be if they don't, if, if Canadians don't know about that, we do have a lot of Canadian listeners. That's definitely something to be aware of. But it doesn't yeah. mean you can't start doing your homework now, of course. Right. And there are properties they can get. You know, if you get a property that doesn't have bathroom and kitchen facilities, that counts as a ruin. So you can absolutely buy that and, uh, and fix it up. That's a nice opportunity. Again, um, checking with uh, uh, Nick on the the things like what else what else can you get like some of the hill towns that are less than twenty thousand or whatever the towns that are less than twenty thousand but they have to be a certain distance away from a big town there's all kinds of little things but I think the best thing to do is go find a place uh, that needs love specifically kitchens and bathrooms but you know but everything else and then make sure the notario knows exactly what it is and check with the notile and make sure because the notile is the guy who's going to decide whether this one counts or not but i would look for that especially since renovation costs are ridiculously cheap in calabria they're ridiculous so you know it doesn't cost anything to put in a kitchen or a bathroom we're talking about a bathroom around five thousand euros for a new bathroom put in you know and a kitchen well as you know uh, they just have to plummet for the kitchen and kitchens are like furniture, so you go get your Lego kitchen from, uh, you know, Bama or one of these other places and click, 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 yeah, and your kitchen's yeah. in. New tile, uh, maybe some uh, electrics and plumbing, which would cost a little bit more. I would put in new windows because the windows in most of those places are not very good. And you got a nice, cozy little place for really not very much money. And you still can slide in under the Canadian rule as of today. Mm. Okay, that's very, very good. Very good advice. Is it the two of you doing this book or is it just you, Chris? Who, who's, tell me about this book. Okay, uh, the book, How to Buy Your Italian Dream Home Without Buying a Property Nightmare. And what it is, when I was doing a video the other day, I keep doing these warning videos, you know? And, and I thought, I'm just gonna write a book of all the things we ran into that, uh, or heard about even, that really was a problem. For people and their situations that that some were horrific uh, the one that sort of started me on that so I, i'm on these forums you know in uh, our facebook groups and somebody wrote in and they said we bought a house uh we found out that all of the improvements were 
abusive, meaning not permitted. Uh, the owner had gone to a geometra who had asserted that they were permitted illegally. It was fraud and it wasn't. So now they have a house that they either have to rip everything out or see if they can retroactively permit yeah. it, which costs a lot of money and fines and back taxes and whatnot. And it's a nightmare. And frankly, those guys, they would have had to put in some really good investigative work prior to buying to avoid a situation like that. It's difficult when people are colluding to take you. Uh, still, there is a workaround on that. And I put that in the book is here's what we would do. And here's what I recommend you do in any case, because there are a lot of abusive, abusive, meaning not permitted um, things in Italy. I think all over Italy has them. I know in Puglia, there's some, there's quite a few in Calabria. And when you go to retroactively get them permitted, there's a big fine and then back taxes that you have to deal with. So you have to know that going in, especially if it's a lot, you know, a, a little toilet, bathroom, whatever might not be a big deal, but a whole wing. Yeah, you got to really watch that stuff. So that was the one that made me go, gosh, I really need to do a book. And we, we include things like active possession, right? When uh, an abandoned house, especially in Calabria, when the Italians left in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s, they abandoned their properties. And so people will go, here's my property that I have, and I'm going to sell it to you. And you find out it was an abandoned property, and they took it over under a squatter's rights thing. How can you protect yourself from future possible claimants coming in and asserting a right to the property. So that's those are things we worked very closely with Nick Meta at Studio Legale Meta to try to handle. Uh, another situation, one of our guys wanted to buy a ruin and the sellers came and they said, here's the letter from my aunt that says I own the property. <laughs> well, that's not a deed. Uh, it's not going to fly. So again, Nick stepped in and advised the sellers on what they had to do before he would recommend his client, our client, yeah. buy that property. So those are just a few of them, but there's a lot that you can fall in. Um, you know, I mean, there's delays. Like in our case, yeah. our last house that we wanted to buy, we found out that there was a lien on it. Yeah. Um, which, thanks to the notayo that we work with. Uh, they were able to uncover that, uh, you know, before we um, actually bought the property. So that had to be cleared up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. Um, so basically, I just compiled all these nightmare scenarios and said, here's how you, here's how you avoid that. And then at the end, I put in summary, do all these things when you buy your property, specifically uh, another situation where somebody was selling a property and they said, I want you to put, you know, 20,000 euros on the deed, but then you pay me another 30,000 under the table. Um, big, big problem. Don't, they always mm. say, cause I've heard this before, everybody does it this way. You just do it that way when you sell your house, you know? Oh. No, 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 you can be in big trouble for stuff like that. So uh, it goes over all the things that we've seen that we've heard about, you know, happening with people, how you avoid it. And it gives you a really good roadmap of how you're gonna go through your property purchase what professionals you're going to use, what you're going to demand. And it's way more than when you hire an interpreter to take you through the act. They're not going to go through each article of the act with you and tell you exactly what you're agreeing to. And it's vital that you know. So um, there's a lot in that book. And uh, I thought everybody really needed to know it. And it's going to save us a lot of 
headaches when they go, I just bought my property and found out the terrace is not included. And we're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I think you're you're done, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's basically the holes that you could fall in and we don't want you to fall in those holes. Here's what you do. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so that sounds like a book that everybody listening to this needs to get. Now, yeah. where are, it, it's, not, it's just coming out like in a month, right? Not even a month. I think maybe today. Yeah, yeah. It'll be today or tomorrow. <laughs> Would you be able to go to our website at uh, supersavvytravelers.com? Uh, there's a, a store link in the menu. Click on that link, and that'll take you right to the book where you can buy it online yeah. and download it. And we're going to do some uh, launch videos and things like that. Try to make it really prominent so people know where to find it. And I think we're ultimately going to put it on Amazon, aren't we? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we'll probably put it on Amazon. Okay, so the great thing is it's an ebook that you can just download, obviously. Yeah, it's just an ebook. And what I always recommend with, like, we have our course, which also has an ebook to it, print it off and highlight stuff. And when you go to do your, um, your shopping or whatever, have it with you, make it as a checklist. All these things have to be checked off before you agree to sign on the bottom line. Julia was sort of next on our radar. Um, we had a, a certain situation to where we uh, needed to open up an office there. So we went over there specifically um, around the Bari area. And uh, there are some beautiful, beautiful properties there. It's a little more expensive than Calabria. I think renovations are more or less the same because we're going to renovate this place. And uh, they should actually be starting uh, breaking ground any any day now, which is exciting and wonderful. It's a whole different vibe. It's a different culture. It's different food. Uh, it's drier there. It It's so beautiful, but it's different. So, you know, now that we know about Puglia, it's very, you know, it's kind of hard to go, God, where would I live? Yeah. I still love Calabria, but we love that little area along the coast of Bari. It's yeah, just yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah you can't say one's better than the other. They're, they're both great. Yeah, and it depends on what you're what you're looking for. But yes, what we've done is we've gone over to Puglia and we've uh, found some associates, agency associates. Casa Puglia is one. Um, Papa Amola, which is in Mola di Bari, mm -hmm. which we have associated with. And then um, Vincenzo is at Puglia RE. So we're getting we're getting open. Oh, and Gabriella, I Gabriella. don't remember the name, yeah. but she's over in Albero Bella, which is wonderful. If you want a truly, she's your gal. You know the little truly houses. Um, she's got all the networks and everything. So we're getting set up over there, and we really want to do the same thing throughout Italy. We've got Ricardo in Rome. We are in January. We're meeting with a friend of Antonello's again, an architect that he studied with in Florence, and we're going to be going around the Florence area, Pistoia these little little towns there because people who want Tuscany but can't afford Florence or do not want to live in Florence, it's they're more affordable and they're beautiful. So uh, it also kind of made me think of another thing that I wanted to say, like when you go on a cruise, right, and you stop in Venice and Rome and uh, La Spezia and all these places, or when you come over and you do the trifecta, it's almost like Disneyland. You know, it's it's given to you on a silver platter. Here's your food. We speak your language. Here's your hotel. It's something different than the real Italy. In order to experience the real Italy, even if you want to go to Florence or Venice or these other places, you have to take it off the beaten path. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't even recommend staying in these cities unless you want to see the attractions there, which are fabulous. 
Uh, if you want the real Italy, you've got to go out. You've got to go to the little hill towns or the little villages. Um, get to know the nonas there. They are a wealth of cooking information, you know, and and just get get a feel, get a feel. And another thing is that, like, say you go to the macelleria and get some meat or whatever, he will tell you how to cook it and what to do with it. So you start really getting into the vibe and you start feeling Italian, even with blonde hair and blue eyes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they can see us coming, can't they? Oh, they do. They, you can always find me in a crowd, that's for sure. <laughs> our, our very first, uh, I think it was our first trip to Italy, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we went to Diamante and, uh, you know, we were just walking around. This was our first visit to this beautiful village. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed this uh, lady just comes all of a sudden running towards Chris. And she just gives her this this big hug, right? Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Hey, Bella Donna, this little tiny lady, right? I see her, you know, we're looking at the murals and stuff, and I see this. Like, what's going on? She has her arms out like this. I can Bella Donna. She grabs me, and I'm like, oh, we are so moving here. <laughs> I mean, how would you have to be brought up in order to know that you're going to throw yourself in the arms of a stranger, and they're going to love it? Like that is a culture that created this beautiful lady that made my life by doing what she did. I mean, mm. that's cool. yeah, yeah. That's that's a really beautiful story. <laughs> that that that's one that you never forget. <laughs> that's uh, right. No, thank you for remembering that, Pete. I, I forgot. Yeah, it's always nice to remember. People are finding this podcast all the time. So there's going to be someone in a year, two years from now, finding this podcast. They're going to come across this episode and they're going to be like, oh man, Chris and Pete are like the answers to all my problems because they're basically, <laughs> I'm interested in Puglia or maybe I have no idea where I need to be or I want to be in Rome or, or whatever. So at, it sounds to me like your network is growing, constantly growing. And so what they need to do is reach out to you on supersavvytravelers.com or follow you on Instagram. For sure, everybody here needs to be following you on Instagram. They need to check out your website and they need to be following you on YouTube and Facebook, right? Correct. That's yeah. right. Twitter now also. Twitter, yeah. Twitter or X as, as we're calling it now, X. right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I'm talking to you while you're at your home in Northern California, not far from where I grew up, you have children that live, I'm assuming in California and maybe even grandchildren? Uh, no grandchildren yet. Not yet. Uh, but two boys and they're grown. They're actually, one of the reasons we're back now is to attend their weddings. Uh, one just got married and the other one's getting married next Sunday, which is exciting. Wait a minute. You're attending both of your son's wedding on this trip? Yeah, they're so sweet. Um, you know, because Pete traveled a lot, we never had holidays on the actual day of the holiday. So they're quite adept at going, we're going to have Thanksgiving, you know, uh, two weeks after or yeah. two weeks before, and they're fine with that. So what they did was they scheduled their weddings when we're going to be here, which, how sweet is that? We right. have the best boys ever. Oh, my gosh. How old are they? Uh, 30 and 28. Yeah. 
Wow, what a great age to get married. And how amazing that they did that for their mom and dad. That is so great. Well, congratulations to the to the two of you and to your whole family. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it really is. You, so you still have your house in California. Yes. Okay. So you still got your house in California. Are you always going to have one foot in the United States, you think, just for it kind of like just to keep yourself like balanced? As long as we have kids here, yes, we will. We will. Uh, if you leave California and you sell your house, good luck ever coming back to California if you want to for whatever reason. You know, we're at that age where we've seen uh, things happen to people and our kids will always come first no matter what. So having a, a place here that we can come back to is uh, vitally important. Plus the fact every year we come back, we spend the holidays with the kids, but it's a time to be away from everything. We do our, our um, you know, to-do lists or whatever, the, the big strategic or uh, strategic plan yeah, right? yeah. yeah. for the whole year and get an idea of what our goals are going to be and what we're going to focus on uh it's it's very important to get out of the fray sometimes to really get a good viewpoint from a distance to see how you're going to uh what you're going to focus on the next exactly. year so how many months out of the year do you spend in italy normally it's about probably about nine months most of our time is spent there you know, um, I think last year we, we spent almost 10 months yeah. there. You know, we were there most of the time. Again, we'd come back for the holidays, um, spend time with our kids. If, if we didn't have kids here, you know, we probably would be just there the whole time. But uh, our boys are vitally important to us. So we come back and spend a good amount of time with them, get our fix in. And we eat all the tacos we can possibly oh, yeah. eat. <laughs> Do you have tacos where you are? <laughs> No, of course not. No, California <laughs> is California is the only place to go for the best. Well, besides Mexico, but California is the only place for with good Mexican food. Besides Mexico, it is. I mean, we catch up on our Thai food, our yeah. Vietnamese food, all of all of the different ethnic specialties yeah, that are yeah. just so wonderful here. Yeah, yeah. And then we're ready for pizza again. Yeah, so and then we go back for pizza. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'm, you know, speaking of weddings, I'm actually going to be heading to California in about three weeks for a wedding as well. And, um, and, and I'll be visiting family. I haven't, I haven't been back to California for a year, which is the longest I think I've ever not been to California. So I, I can relate. I know how important it is. And I have, I have two sisters, six brothers wow. and, and 20 nieces and nephews. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I when I come back, usually my my suitcase is filled with gifts and little trinkets for like a little you know for the little ones. So I I trust me, I know how important it is to come back to visit family. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. You can never let that go. For sure, and I think I think it's um, if possible, I personally think it's very wise to sort of not completely lose connection with where you're from if you've still got people there especially like you said and um and just give yourself the opportunity to sort of go back and forth as you can if possible i think that's very wise yeah i think so too yeah. certainly for us it is like yeah. i said if we didn't have kids we we would be in italy all the time yeah. you know we've got our community over there we found all the great medical treatment that's a whole nother podcast is the medical treatment in italy it's way better than than where we are right now here in California, 
Um, and we've got everything set up where we have our friends, our project, our work, everything is in Italy. So again, if we didn't have kids, we'd, we'd probably be just living there. Thank you for taking the time to be here and sharing your story and your wisdom. And I'm just so excited about all your projects. Now I know who I'm gonna come and visit when I come to Calabria. And the great thing is now I have a hotel I can stay in when I'm there. That's right, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh my gosh, we would love to have you up there and show you all the, the treasures. And there's so many wonderful things to see and, and people to meet. And, you know, it's, it's hard to do it in a few days, but uh, we love doing that. Yeah. I know we're trying to say goodbye here, but one more time, tell me about the hotel. What's the name of the hotel and how can somebody who wants to book a, a stay there, how can they, how can they reach, reach you for that? Oh, okay. It's called Casa Cristina. That was Pete's idea. Okay, that wasn't me, um, it, but it's easy to remember. And it's right in the piazza in um, Santa Domenica. So to book there, we'll have uh, a booking site set up. you like a special site. Yeah. There'll be links going from all of our uh, videos and various social media. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna do Airbnb at this point. We, we basically are doing pretty well just with, um, you know, booking it directly. We have quite a lot of people who want to come. And in fact, oh, here's something. Uh, we're working with uh, with Love to Amalfi Tours and we're setting up tours that they do all the things that you really want to do up north, but then they come down to Casa Cristina and they stay with us. And we we worked up, you know, a, an agreement with another hotel right there in the piazza that we work together um, to welcome our guests there. So those are some things you want to look at too. It's quite exciting. I think it's going to be a wonderful time. We have so much to look forward to. Wow, this is this is really really exciting stuff. Well, Casa Cristina, okay, that's where that's what I'll be looking to book when I come down for my stay. I'm I'm dying to taste some of this. I've spent very little time, only on the very tip on the edge of Calabria, but I've been dying to taste some of the spicy Calabrian food that I keep hearing about. Yes. So I'm, I'm assuming you can get some of that in your in your town there. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Some of the best uh, uh, pepper sauce. I don't yeah. know what they call it, but the, the pepper sauce. Oh, so oh which we're now addicted to. In fact, we have a few <laughs> jars here. <that> so. <laughs> Peter and Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. I have absolutely loved it and learned so much, and we all have. So be sure to reach out to supersavvytravelers.com. Your Instagram is the same same name as well as YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, it's, all, it's all under Super Savvy Travelers LLC, and you can find us at all those different media channels. Fantastic. All right. We will be linking all of those in the, the notes in the description of the podcast for this episode. And you can be sure that Chris and Pete will be back in the future for another episode. Oh, what an interesting conversation with Chris and Pete. I really, really enjoyed that. Don't you feel like you have a better understanding of the region of Calabria now from the eyes of an expat or a, an American moving to that region, Vera? Absolutely. And it's so interesting to see how foreigners see our country and the region of Calabria in this case. Now, Calabria doesn't have a translation in English, does it? No, actually, you know, now that you mention it, I don't, I don't remember there being one. Yeah, I don't think so. It's Calabria, Calabria. And in Italian, it's feminine, La Calabria. 
And it's the 10th biggest region and the 10th most populated region. So if you're looking for not too crowded, not too sparse, then it's the perfect region for you. The main province in Calabria is Catanzaro, Catanzaro. Then we have Cosenza, Crotone, Reggio Calabria, and Vibo Valencia. Weird names, right? So those are the provinces in, uh, in Calabria. The most famous towns you might have heard of, even though, you know, Calabria is not that popular, it's not that famous, are Tropea. I've been there several times on vacation. It's amazing, this old town on the sea. Uh, Caporizzuto, Diamante, Ciro Marina, and it has three, not one, not two, but three national parks. Uh, because there are three mountain ranges, so each one has a natural park, and it's Pollino, Sila, and Aspromonte. And it has a symbol, of course, you know, all our regions have a symbol, and in this case, it's like of an oval uh, with four different symbols, so divided into four parts on a golden back and white black background, and one is the Calabrian black pine, so a kind of pine that only grows in Calabria, and then there's a, you know, um, capital from a column in Doric style, uh, Doric order, and then two different crosses. And as I was telling you before, it has gorgeous beaches. It has snow-capped mountains and forests and lakes and archaeological sites because it's an archaeological place too. And it has it all, it has it all. It, it, of course, you need to like this sort of run-down charm mm -hmm. and be prepared to not find everything working smoothly and perfectly. But you know what? Nowhere in Italy things work perfectly, not even in the famous north. So who cares? <laughs> now, it's in southern Italy. We said that, right? But Calabria is the toe of of the country's boot. You know, Italy is shaped like a boot, right? We have the heel, which is Puglia, and the toe, that is Calabria. And it's a peninsula, so it's basically all surrounded by the sea. It's all the Mediterranean Sea, but you know we don't use the word Mediterranean. We use our names for the different seas around Italy, and it's Marionio, Martirreno, and then there's the Messina Strait, so the Stretto di Messina, and that separates uh, Calabria from Sicily. In fact, in its narrowest point, point this strait is only 3.2 kilometers. What is that? Five miles? Probably less? That's very narrow. In fact, stretto, so the word for strait in Italian, stretto means narrow, a narrow road, una via stretta and straight, stretto. So there you go, it's the same word. And I've been uh, hearing about a bridge the famous Ponte di Messina, so the Stretto di Messina, uh, for the past, I guess, 50 years of my life, and I'm only 40, so, <laughs> I mean, they've been talking about it forever, okay, literally forever, and I don't know, we're in Italy, but it would be very, very, you know, <clears throat> useful and helpful for those who live in Sicily, first of all, and want to travel to Sicily, and for the economy there, but yeah, it's Italy, anyway. Very, very strange. Now, the part on the land of Calabria only borders with another region that is not known at all, which is Basilicata. 
basilica that separates Calabria from Puglia. So the toe from the heel of your boot. Now, what's really, really weird, and I have to be honest here, I totally forgot, and I realized it again this morning when I double-checked my facts, that Calabria doesn't border with Campania because it's right there. But there's a tiny, tiny part of Basilica. It's just tiny, you know? But once you're there, you go Campania, you drive south, and it's like Basilicata, end of Basilicata, and you're in Calabria again. So that's why I sort of forgot. (laughs) That's what happened. So it only borders with Basilicata and the sea all around it. You know it by now, Italy has had people forever. We are a very, very old nation. But in fact, in Calabria, we have the oldest or one of the oldest records of a human presence in Italy. And uh, they date back to year 700,000 before Christ. Yeah. With a type of Homo erectus living there, they left some ruins and then a few uh, millennia later, probably some uh, carvings in a cave. So there are also archaeological sites there. But remember when we talked about Sicily and when you talked about Campania with Alessandro and Simonetta and the South, basically, it was a Greek colony. Uh, it was a Greek colony for quite a long time. So uh, around 1500 before Christ, the Greek arrived and it's a population. This is so fun that it's called Enotri, Enotri. Now you see there's the word Eno, Ono in there. It's wine. So these people were called winemakers, wine cultivators, wine cultivators and winemakers, because that's what they did here. So no wonder our wines are good. We've been making them for ever, literally. And then, you know, the Greeks were there, uh, temples and theaters and philosophy, but also many wars because, yeah, it was rough time. And then the Romans arrived, exactly like in Sicily and all southern Italy. So a few more wars. So that's what happened there. <laughs> and then um, let's get to the 15 and 16 and 1700s. So common era. Uh, it was controlled and occupied by the Spanish. So that's why we have also this Spanish influence. And then Napoleon and the French arrived and finally uh, abolished uh, feudalism. So this region that was still very poor because it was under the Spanish tyranny, finally uh, relieved again, sort of lived a rebirth again. Uh, But then uh, during the 1800s, there were a lot of riots in that area and Garibaldi with the independence, you know, the forming reign of Italy, finally put an end to that influence. But right after the unification of Italy, uh, Calabria became famous for brigantaggio. So it's like mm, banditry or, you know, there were this outlaws that live in the sea and it was a big big problem and they had a five-year conflict trying to solve this problem but yeah it's not still quite there yet (laughs) so let's put it this way and it would be amazing if this region could realize its full potential because it is really an amazing region and the problem is that in 2021 so we're talking about two years ago Calabria at had Italy's highest unemployment rate with a 19.3% and the lowest median income. Now, in Calabria, the uh, annual income average, of course, was 16,300 euro per year. 
And you would say, well, that's terrible. But compared to a national average, please don't forget this, of 22,500. That's the average, the median income in Italy, okay? So that's why I keep telling you that no matter where you are in Italy, of course, there are areas that are richer and areas that are poorer. That's obvious, and this is a median. But you see that the cost of life is not that different from the country you are from. Mm -hmm. And yet our salaries are way lower. So it's, I, I still don't know how we can survive this, and yet we do. But that's a problem. And Calabria is the region in Italy with literally the lowest uh, median salary and the highest illiteracy uh, rate for adults. And it's around 19% for people over 65. So that's really, really high rate. But I I'm telling this again because I really believe it. it this region is so rich and their people and their food are so amazing. And I really hope that it will keep improving like it is right now mm -hmm. there only once right yeah and it was of course because we did exactly what you said we were in campania of course because that's where alessandro's from and we were driving from campania and we were going south and so i've spent just such a little time there going going on that road that takes you from Campania through just a short section of Basilicata and then in Calabria. Well, there are a few fun facts about Calabria that I would like to share with you. <clears throat> the first one is that the very name Italia, Italia, so our beloved country, comes from Calabria. Well, there are actually a few hypothesis that the origin of the name Italia, Italy, is not known yet. But there are two hypotheses, and this is one of the most probable mm -hmm, and believable. And that is that uh, it, Italia comes from the word Italoi, Italoi, so ancient, Greek, whatever, um, from the time meaning land of calves young cows right and bulls probably for two reasons there were a lot of cows there mm -hmm. and they, they had a lot of calves and the other one is that this population the italoi that lived there uh sort of um had a calf as their idol as their god mm -hmm. so uh they, that's why they were called italoi and it was especially in the town of catanzaro so from there to Vitalioi, Vitalia, with a V in front. And still today, the word calf in Italian is vitello, vitello. You see, there's sort of an assonance to it. First, the word Italia, Italoi, or Vitalia was only for the southern part of Italy. And then they started using it going north and north, all the way to Turin, Milan, and Bolzano now. So there it is. Our name means people who have calves. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Very interesting. Now, I know you love statistics about air pollution and earthquakes and, you know, natural disasters. Well, there was uh, last century a huge and massive um, earthquake between Calabria and, Sic and Sicilia and Sicily. And also in the um, 15 and 16 and 1700, there was a lot of um, earthquakes in that area, probably because the Etna in Sicily, which is not that far, and all that area you see in Campania, there are volcanoes, so Calabria is right up in the middle. But luckily, it's been 
sort of silent now for a while, but it has the cleanest air in Europe. Mm -hmm. Not all of Calabria, just in the um, national park of La Siva, where that mountain is. And it's a mountain and it's almost 6,000 feet. So it's a very, very high mountain. But around that, in that park, statistics said it's the cleanest air in Italy. In Europe, sorry, in Europe. Cleanest air in Europe? My gosh. And you're an orthoculturist. So do you know what bergamot oranges are? Ber bergamot oranges? That's how you say mm -hmm. it? I do, yes. I don't know if I've ever had one, actually. I probably haven't. And you know why? Because you were not in Calabria long enough. Because, weirdly enough, this uh, citrus, so it's like an orange, sort of orange and lemon mix, something like that, only thrives in Calabria. There's no other place on Earth, on the planet, where this plant grows. Uh, I mean, it can grow, but it doesn't bear fruit. It only bears fruit if it's grown right there in Calabria. And it's bergamotto and it's used, for those of you who are not orthoculturists like Nathan, it's used uh, to make perfumes. It's used as an aromatic ingredient in many food and beverages and in tea and in cosmetics. So it's a lot of uses, but it only grows in Calabria. So now you have to go there and see it yourself. So let's start with our Calabrian IGP or DOP product. So things that grow there. The most famous one is Cipolla Rossa di Tropea. Cipolla Rossa di Tropea. So red onion from Tropea. It's the best. I mean, every time you see a red onion here in a supermarket in Italy, it comes from there. Well, you have to read Tropea on it. And it's just so tasteful. And you can have it fresh or, you know, sort of dry. So young or it's amazing. And then patate de la Sila. So the famous potatoes from the Sila part. Cacio cavallo. You know that cheese that it's weirdly shaped? That's cacio cavallo. It's typical from there. And then some um, cured sliced meat like Capocollo, capocollo, that's how we pronounce it in Italian. I know that in the Italian-American community, it's like capogu, but in Italian, not dialect, it's capocollo. Or soppressata, la soppressata, it's very famous. And licorice, licorice, very mm. famous. And they also make some wines, both white and red, like Chiro wine or Terre di Cosenza wine. But the dish... So the, the, the thing we make that it's that made Calabria famous all over Italy. The most iconic food from Calabria is, I hope I can pronounce it correctly, landuia. Landuia. So it's la, like the article, because it's feminine singular. And then apostrophe, N-D-U-J-A. Obviously, it's dialect. It's like their Calabrian thing. Nduja. Nduja. And what Landuia. is that? What is that? Do you like spicy food? Do you like yeah. hot, spicy food? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can handle it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so maybe don't try too much on Duya. So it's a spreadable pork sausage with a lot of hot pepper in it. And you use it almost like a paste, almost like a, a condiment. You can add it to your pasta mm -hmm, sauce to make it spicy. You can put it on your pizza 
or it is served with slices of bread, so like kind of a bruschetta, so that you understand what I mean, or with cheese. Mm -hmm. It's just something that goes everywhere, and it's really, really spicy. I told you that I went to Tropea a few times, vacation with Luca, and Luca loves spicy food, so we went to this restaurant, you know, this young... It, it, it was a few years ago. This young uh, northern Italian couple came, lovey dovey, and we were there. And he, he was like, Okay, I can handle hot food. Don't worry. Bring me your hottest dish. It was like, For tourists or for us? And Luca challenged the guy, you know, he was like, I love spicy food. Bring me the spiciest thing you have. And oh. they arrived with a plate, with a dish that was red it was like blood red because everything was so spicy in there i was crying always smelling at what was on that plate you know anduya and then all kind of salami and sausage very very spicy and lucas started eating it and i could see sweat coming <laughs> and it became all red like the things he was eating and a tear escaping his eye but he finished it all and then the guy was like, oh, you're amazing. You know, it was like slapping on the back and congratulating. And then he took me and said, come, come, I'll offer you a coffee in there. I'll offer you a coffee. Come with me. And he said, don't bring him home. Have him walk for at least two hours because I never thought it would finish all that. Only we do that. So <laughs> take him to the beach, just walk with him. Don't bring him home. Don't let him sit. Don't let him lie down. Oh, God. <laughs> But it was so funny. And we met this man a few days later at the local market or whatever. He recognized and he was like, how are you feeling? Come on, I'll offer you another dinner. Come to my restaurant again. Did Luca regret that decision? No, he did not. <laughs> okay, good. But he had a few rough nights. Yeah, it was sweaty and yeah. That's so different than what you think of as Italian food. That's That's just so specific to that region, isn't it? It is, yeah. Calabria is famous for spicy food. They also have other things, obviously, but Induya, Landuya is what they make them famous. They also have like an aperitivo with pane and sardella. Sardella, this time is fish. It's like a white bait sauce. It's like caviar for the poor uh, with chili peppers and fennel. And they have um, these meatballs with meat and eggplant that are called brasciuli or something like that. Sorry for the accent. I'm not and many many more a lot of kind of pastas and a pesto that you only eat with cold pasta in the summer it has meat it has fish it's really a very very um rich cuisine that you can find in calabria and very spicy it's really making me want to visit calabria and taste some of this amazing food and what is it up with these spreadable sausages <laughs> You had another one in Le Marque when we were talking about that. What is up with spreadable sausage? <laughs> no, but it's good. It's good. And you don't waste anything from the animal you killed. So you use that to make sausage and spreadable and everything. Our cuisine, I mean, Italian cuisine in general, it's full of uh, bones and uh, organs and livers sorry if you're vegetarians or vegans I know this is kind of too much but we don't waste it's not that we kill an animal just for the best part and then the rest who cares we really not waste and all, all our recipes are traditional and back in the days 
you killed your pig once a year and then you had to make it last as long as you could because that's what everything was everything you had so I find it very very interesting I don't eat all of that <laughs> I just can't bring myself to it but you know what if if you've never had anduya in Calabria or you never had chauscolo in Marque uh, in the Marque region and I tell you it's a spreadable sausage you're like what, what's that but when you start when you're young, when you're little, it's just like a crostini sauce. You know, you have pesto, it's spreadable basil. <laughs> it's just that you're used to it. We don't see it as spreadable sausage. In fact, the first time I translated this for you, spreadable sausage, I was like, really? Is that what that is? <laughs> so Vera, you always share a song and a film from each region. Do you have one to share with us from Calabria? Of course I do. Now, as a song, I have Malcelo è sempre più blu. It's very famous. Once you find it, I'm sure you heard it. Sang by Rino Gaetano, a famous singer from Calabria. And this song is so beautiful and so famous. And it's like, yeah, Malcelo è sempre più blu. So, but because we start many sentences with but to give some emphasis, you know, some drama to it, and we move our hands. But the sky is always bluer. <laughs> it's getting bluer and bluer. It's more blue. Anyway, it's a beautiful song. Rino Gaetano is uh, one of the most famous Italian singers from Calabria. There are other, but I chose this because it's a beautiful song, very famous. And you can also hear it every time there's uh, the Italian soccer team playing because we wear blue, you know, and this is, the sky is blue and blue, so when we win, and so that's something you can still hear a lot. And as for movies, there are um, a few of them that were shot in Calabria, but maybe they talk about someone, I mean, someone from other regions, and they pretend it's another region, but it's Calabria, because it's quite similar, I don't know. But I found this movie that I really, really enjoyed, because uh, it's called Anime Nere, Anime Nere, so Black Souls. And I picked this one because it's pretty recent. It's, uh, it was shot in 2014 by director Francesco Munzi. He won uh, a few prizes because it's an amazing movie. And he casted non-professional actors, most of them, from Calabria to have the real deal, you know, and part of the dialogues are in Italian and part of the dialogues are in the Reggio Calabria dialect. So you can really hear it. And it, part of the movie is set in Amsterdam and Milan because it's about drug dealing and smuggling. I don't know, but it's really, really interesting. And I know it has been translated and um broadcasting into 14 different languages so I'm sure you will find subtitles at least in English so you can maybe watch it the first time with subtitles in English so you understand or in your own language and then in Italian with Italian subtitles and you can really really hear Calabrian accent oh wow very good I'm looking forward to listening to that music and watching that film I always love those recommendations thank you so much Veda I feel like, as usual, I am much more prepared to visit this region. 
thanks to you. And we'll go together. I mean, we have a lot of trips to be planned around ahead of us. And I can't wait to go back to Calabria. Yes, our famous zigzag across Italy. I'm really looking forward to doing that with you in the future. Well, thank you, Vera. I really appreciate that. And before we get into our surrounding sound for today, which is a sound that comes from Calabria, which is provided today by Chris and Pete, I would like to quickly thank our sponsors. First, I'd like to thank ExpressVPN, something that I use every single day. In fact, I just renewed my plan for my VPN just last week, and I renew every year, and it's something I use every single day. In fact, I'm using it right now. It's an absolute must for anybody who travels a lot, uses public Wi-Fi and wants to protect themselves, and it's also so important if you're moving here and you want to be able to use your streaming services while you're living here in Italy. It also helps with making phone calls. There's just so many different wonderful uses and you save a huge amount when you pay for the yearly plan and you save three months when you sign up for the links on our website at imovingtoitaly.com. Also, I'd like to thank Babbel Language, which in my opinion is the very best Italian language learning program and language learning app that you can use. I've been using Babbel Language for the past year, and I can say that compared to Rosetta Stone, Pemsler, and Duolingo, Babbel Language is by far the best. You can get more than 50% off when you use the links on our website, imovingtoitaly.com. And the great thing is when you sign up for their lifetime membership, you have to pay once. Usually you save 50 or 60% off for the lifetime membership, which they run occasionally a deal. And you have not only Italian, but every other language that they have for life. You never have to buy it again. So thank you to Babbel Language and check out the links on our website, imovingtoitaly.com. Also, if you're looking for someone to teach you Italian directly, the same Italian language coach that I use every week, then you should absolutely reach out to Vera, our co-host, who is the owner and founder of Kike Language. You can visit her website at kikelanguage.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-E language.com. And Vera offers both one-on-one and group coaching classes, of which I am in both. So check out Kike Language and Vera's wonderful coaching packages. But if you really want the best coach available to tell you everything and help you move to Italy or just have some information about how things work here and how to prepare for your trip or your big move to Italy, you can reach out our amazing Nathan and Rick. Thank you, Vera. Absolutely. I have been coaching a number of our listeners and I've basically kind of set this up because I get so many questions all the time and I'm just simply not able to handle the questions by having people reach out to me and write me emails and messages on Instagram. I can't answer all the questions I get. So I've set this up so that two days a week on Saturdays and Sundays, I have times available. So anyone who wants to schedule a session with me, whether it is help figuring out where and how to buy property here, or if you're trying to figure out how to set up your phone here in Italy, which is a very complicated process, or you need help with residency, or if you need help with figuring out how to furnish your home or get something delivered to your home. I've helped with so many different 
issues that I've figured out while living here that things that you just don't know that you don't know how to do until you get here and figure out, oh, I'm I'm kind of stuck. I've got a great questionnaire on our website, imovingtoitaly.com. Just click on the links for coaching with Nathan, and you can fill out the questionnaire and answer all the questions and figure out what your starting point is. And I always have my coaching clients do that before we start a session together, because that allows me to know exactly where they are and what I can help them with. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds. And today our sound is coming directly from the region of Calabria. This is a sound of Chris walking through one of the properties that is going to be renovated and they're they're walking through and she's talking about all the different possibilities and things that can be done with this property. Enjoy and Vera and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye. Hi guys, Chris here with Super Savvy Travelers. Hey, for those of you who have been following the channel here for a while, you will know our famous architect, Antonella Lucchese. What you may not know is that Antonella was a master architect and studied for many years in Florence, where on a daily basis, he was exposed to some of the most beautiful and iconic architecture in the world. When his studies were complete, Antonello had a choice. He could stay in Florence among a large number of talented architects, or he could return to his beloved Borgo of Santa Domenica Talao and set up shop there. We are very happy to state that he chose the latter, and you can see his works all over our beautiful Borgo. Antonello's dad was a master furniture craftsman, and Antonello learned the art of furniture making at his elbow. By spending so many years in the company of this great craftsman, Antonello learned the importance of precision and attention to detail. And anyone looking at his projects today can see the results of this precision, this attention to detail, and the years of study among the world's most beautiful architectural works. Prior to the pandemic, Antonella had mentioned to me in passing that perhaps we should look at bringing more Americans and other English-speaking people into our town. Although I was initially dismissing the idea because I was immersed in other pursuits, that thought never left me. Because Pete and I, when we first came to Calabria, had made a vague decision at some point that we wanted to boom this region, which never really gets enough attention in the travel guidebooks. So when the pandemic hit and super savvy travelers pivoted from selling travel to promoting our lives in Italy, suddenly it seemed to me a complete no-brainer that we should be working with this amazing artist to bring people in, people who, like us, were looking for a new life, a warm sense of community and beauty everywhere we looked. And I was given the immense honor of working with one of the most creative and talented people I have ever come across. A few years ago, we started marketing properties in Santa Domenica, Pete filming and me and Antonello touring these abandoned houses and discussing renovations and design together on film. Of all of our videos on social media, these video tours were the most popular. Where else can you see a property that you could buy being toured by a super talented architect as he talks about putting his immense skill and training into your future project? Not only are the videos successful, Antonello became so famous that masses of people came over to our cute Borgo to sign up for his services. The renovations are rolling off the line and they are beyond spectacular. Unfortunately, due to certain circumstances, we have not toured and filmed with Antonello recently, but we will soon be resuming our videos together. We could not be prouder or more honored to call Antonello our friend and associate, and the time I spent touring with him and learning at the elbow of the master has been some of the most memorable and enjoyable moments of my entire life. So here's to you, Antonello. Andiamo avanti.
super savvy travelers. Hey, today we are in Verbacaro, and uh, wow, it's a beautiful place, tucked in the mountains of Bosgalea. Anyway, we're going to go look at a house today and uh, and show you what Verbacaro looks like, so you can find a place to have a nice lunch and enjoy a beautiful, beautiful day here. Uh, the house we're going to look at is this giant pink house here. You can see there's parking and a gated driveway and whatnot. So you have neighbors, you have shops up there, standing next to a gym. So you have all the services that you need. This house is giant. And uh, Giuseppe said it was his dad's house and he had a woodworking shop underneath. Giuseppe came in and renovated the whole entire thing and it really, really pretty and very, very secure. So if you're gonna leave it for any length of time, you could. So let's go take a look. Okay. Wow, a grande. Allora, puoi spiegare, Giuseppe? Puoi spiegare che sono lì? Questo è un soggiorno? Questo è un locale. Un locale, Allora, puoi fare o garage o locale, quello che vuoi tu. Oh, wow, okay, you can make this a, a garage, or to me it looks like a big, beautiful living room. È troppo bello per garage. Perché adesso però ci sono già i bagni predisposti per l'attività commerciale. Ah, ok. Quindi c'è il bagno handicappati, il bagno handicappati. E poi è tutto, diciamo, fatto per fare un locale commerciale. È già predisposto l'inviando elettrico e tutto. Sì, sì, vedo, vedo. Ok, so basically everything's set up to make it a commercial enterprise here. And there is a bathroom down below that's also set up for that, so it has the handicapped features in it that you need to have. However... If it were me, this would be an awesome uh, living room, dining room area. It's set up so beautifully, and I love the big arches here and everything else. This is a nice, big space. I'm telling you, if you had a music business, it would be a great studio down here. Now, in here, there's a little work that needs to be done on the baño. I see they're working on it now. I'll have to find out exactly what needs to be done and what they're going to finish. Okay, let's go upstairs and see. Oh, wait before I go upstairs. Now, the summer land comes with it. I'm going to find out exactly how much, but you have a beautiful backyard back there. And I thought there were some outbuildings as well. Uh, if you have a couple of families that want to share this space and have a really nice place to come on vacation together, this is a great option. Okay, we're coming around the back where the main entrance to the living space is. And there's a beautiful backyard area with um, olive trees and everything else. Okay, let's have a look. I love the tile on the stairs. Okay. Oh, oh, look, a nice wide staircase. Okay, okay, look, beautiful windows. Ooh, oh, I love this door. Wow. Ti hai fatto questa questa cosa? Che bella, che bella, che bella idea. I love it. Okay, and there's blue tile in here too. Wow, a nice big open area. Ooh. E questa cucina è fatta a misura? Sì. E viene come casa? A misura. Okay, okay. Era ermano? Fa che fa fatta a mano da fare i miami in Verbicaro. In Verbicaro, okay. Sono tutti mobili antichi. Mio padre ha mobili nuovi che hanno 56 anni. Ah, wow. E i mobili vengono con la casa o no? Allora, i mobili la cucina sì. Sì. Magari li possiamo vedere, ma di regola sì. Questi mobili sì. Poi okay. le, le, le cose più antiche vanno più con antico, voi. Le, le prendo io. Sì, sì, sì. Ok, okay. buona idea. This is really nice. Okay, here you can see the historic center of Verbacaro. It's just sort of edging right along the cliff there. And uh, 
it just kind of tumbles down into this beautiful valley. And you got farmhouses and things in the valley. And then on the other side of that hill there is Santa Maria del Cedro. So Santa Maria del Cedro is where the sea is. It's only about 25 minutes from the sea if you get in the car and drive on down. It's lovely, but you feel a million miles away up here. There's a lot of services. We walked by a gym. We walked by shops and restaurants and things. We're going to go check out the Cedro store, go and have lunch. It looks beautiful. Don't you love the sounds that our guests share with us each week from their region, Vera? Uh, the surrounding sounds are the best part of the podcast. I mean, I can't wait to hear them because it's a surprise and it's like being there. Well, Vera, I'm so glad that you're settled in your new home. I'm so glad to be talking to you for the first time and recording our first episode from your new beautiful villa in Tuscany. And I can't wait to come and visit you there. Thanks for sharing all that wonderful information about Calabria today, Vera. No, thank you for having me here. Thank you again to Alessandro, who was the great sub last week. I won't live in his, my place again, so ci vediamo la settimana prossima. Ciao a tutti! Well, wherever you are listening to the sound of our voices today, we hope you are healthy and well, and we look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.